tonight, as we get started, I just wanted to, uh, I wanted to share something just, just real quick from my heart tonight. Maybe you've been in a youth group before, maybe you've been to church before, maybe you haven't, maybe whatever, maybe you don't know what to expect, but this is what I'm going to ask you for the next 30 minutes. Forget about the person beside you, forget about your cell phone, forget about having to pee, because <laughs> sometimes it hits you. I want you to pay attention, because what I'm going to talk about tonight, I'm not, we're not, coming a couple weeks, it's going to be funny, it's going to be this, it's going to be that tonight. Listen, I'm going to tell you what the Bible says about you and about me. See, this is, this is what I believe. I believe that this is truth. From cover to cover. I've spent the last 12 years of my life studying it, digesting it, reading it. And I believe that it's true because the Bible says that it's true. In 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 it says, For all scripture is God-breathed and is useful in teaching, correcting, rebuking, and training in righteousness so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I believe that it's true because it's historically accurate. If you go and you look at Scripture and you, you read the stories about the people who the Bible talks about and you read about the kings that the Bible talks about and you read about the places that the Bible talks about, every single one of them are validated in place exactly where they say they were. And atheists for years would say, oh, well, the Bible, we, we can't find the Hittite culture that the Bible talks about. See, error in Scripture. Twenty-five years ago, we... Uh, uh, archaeologists not only found the Hittite culture, but they found the Hittite library. We now know more about the Hittites than any other culture from the antiquities period over and over and over and over and over again. Archaeology and history has backed up the claims of the Bible. Not only that, but I'll put a challenge out there to you. That if you can prove anything in the Word of God, if you can prove anything in the Bible that is false, I'll no longer be a Christian. Because if you can pick and choose what in the Bible is truth and what in the Bible is not, then who's to say the part about Jesus isn't right? That is the confidence that I have in the Word of God. This is truth. It is truth. And so tonight, listen, I'm not going to give you my opinions. I'm not going to tell you a bunch of stories about my life and all the things that are going on. I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. And that's it. So I want you to open your Bibles right now, if you've got them there, to Matthew chapter 7. And I want to read this to you because I think that this is, this is just, this is so powerful. And I want you to pay attention. Listen to what he says right here. If you've got them there, Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 13. This is what he says. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life. And only a few find it. Jesus is talking here and Jesus is, is telling his disciples, he's right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where, where he's giving this sermon out and, and he's preaching and he says, he gets to this point of his message towards the end and he says, listen, pay attention, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that lead to destruction and many find it, but very few find the narrow way. The narrow gate. 
Basically, what he's saying is this, is that there is a way that seems right to man, Scripture tells us. And the Bible tells us that, that many follow down this path, many go down this path. And this is what we can tell just from this verse about the broad road. What we can tell about the broad road is this, is that it is the popular way. It's the easy way. It's the broad road. Many people walk down this way. It's the easy way and the popular way. Going down the broad road takes no faith. It takes no commitment. It takes no discipline. It is easy. It is the easy way to go. The narrow way is hard and few find it. You say, why do you say that? Well, listen. Throughout the Bible and throughout the scripture and for the rest of the night, I want you to place this picture in your head. There is this picture of this line that is drawn in the sand. And we, we have a piece of tape right in the middle of the room dividing this room. And for the rest of the night, I want you to picture this line or look at this line right in the middle of the floor that divides the room. And I want you to picture that there are, there are those that are on this side that are going the narrow way, the way, the narrow road. And there are those on this side that are taking the broad road. And throughout the rest of the night, I want to show you that throughout Scripture, the Bible tells us that you are on one of those roads. You may not know what road you're on, but you are on one or two of those roads, of two of those roads. You're either on the narrow road that leads to life or you are on the broad road that leads to destruction and there is nothing in the middle. See, sometimes we like to say, oh man, you know, I'm a backslidden Christian or yeah, I'm a Christian and this and that or man, I'm an atheist or I'm an agnostic or I'm a this or I'm a that or I'm a whatever. Let me tell you something. In the eyes of God, based on what the Word of God says, you are one of two people. You are either a follower of Jesus Christ on the narrow road or you're not and you're on the broad road that leads to destruction, period. That's what the Word of God tells us. And if you take your Bibles and you flip over just a few pages to Matthew chapter 25, we get this story. Of the sheep and the goats. And notice what he says. Matthew chapter 25. Going to verse 31. It says, And when the Son of Man, this is Jesus, comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his throne in glory, and all the nations will be gathered before him. And he will separate the people one from another as the shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. So he will put the sheep on his right side and the goats on his left side. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. And then if you drop down to verse 41, he says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. He says, Listen, you are one of two people. You, you're on the narrow road or you're on the broad road. You are a sheep or you are a goat. And basically, during this time, everyone would have known what Jesus is talking about because every evening, the shepherds would separate the sheep from the goats. And the reason they would do this is because sheep had wool and so they could keep themselves warm. But at night, it would get really cold. 
And so they would, they would take the goats and they would separate them out and they would, they would make the goats go into sort of a ball so that their body heat would keep them warm. And so every night this process for a shepherd was is that he would separate the sheep from the goats. And the Bible tells us right here that when Jesus comes in his glory, when Jesus comes back at the end of time, that all the nations of the world will be before him. Every man, every woman, every person will be before him. And he says that he will separate them as sheep and as goats. If you go to Matthew chapter 13, he tells a similar story, that he will separate them as the wheat from the tares. And the tare is, is this, this weed that grows up with the wheat. And the interesting thing is, and I'll come back to this, is that the wheat and the tares look very similar. They look almost identical. In fact, an expert can't even tell the difference between a wheat and a tare. And so there is, there is wheat and tares. And so there's this picture throughout Scripture that there is the, the, the narrow road and the broad road, the sheep and the goats, the, the, the wheat and the tares. And then we see other Scriptures that talk about there, were, there are those who are believers and those who are unbelievers. There are those who walk in the light and those who walk in the darkness. There are those who live by the Spirit and there are those who live by the flesh. There, there are those, there are those who, who, who have a new nature in Christ and there are those who don't. There are those who are alive in Christ and there are those who are dead in Christ. And over and over and over again we see the separation. Listen, here's the question. Which side are you on? Which road are you on? Are you on the narrow road? Are you a sheep? Are you on the broad road that leads to destruction? You say, I don't know. I don't know what road I'm on. I'm going to help you discover that in Galatians chapter 5. In Galatians chapter 5, I want to show you what the Bible says. It's amazing. In Galatians chapter 5, we see the, 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 the picture of the, of the fruits of the Spirit and the fruits of the sin nature. And I want, I want to read this to you. He, he starts out in verse 16 and he says, So I say to you, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of your sinful nature. Then he goes on to say, for the sinful nature does what is contrary to the Spirit. You see the picture? Everything that I've just mentioned is contrast. Listen, if you're on this side, your life looks totally different than someone else on that side. And if you're on this side, your life looks totally different than someone else on that side. I mean, these are opposites used to describe those that are on this side and those that are on that side. And then he says this, and the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. And so he begins to explain what it's like for those on this broad road. And there's the question. Ask yourself, does this define you? He says, the acts of the sin nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Do you have a problem with sexual immorality? See, that comes from the Greek word that literally means anything out of the context of marriage with your wife. This includes, this includes any sort of sexual act. This includes pornography. This includes anything. Is there any sexual immorality going on in your life? Is there impurities going on in your life? Is there debauchery going on in your life? Is there idolatry going on in your life? What is idolatry? Idolatry is putting anything in your life above God. You say, I don't have idolatry in my life. Is there anything in your life that is more important than Jesus? 
say, yeah, man, Jesus, you're the most important thing in my life. Yeah, Jesus, I love you. Dude, I'm on this team over here. Yeah, every time I'm in a conversation with you, I don't hear anything about Jesus. Anytime your friends hear you talking, they don't hear anything about Jesus. All they hear is about the sport you play and the friends you have and the girlfriend you have and this and that and whatever. And Jesus never comes up. It's idolatry. Hatred. Discord. Jealousy. You jealous? Got hatred in your heart? Fits of rage. Are you angry? Do you go off on your mom every time your mom says something to you? Are you just an angry person? Selfish ambition. You're selfish. It's all about you and about no one else. Dissensions. Dissension is a person who goes and takes a small group and, and, and pulls them away from other people by causing dissension in the group. And, and the idea and, and the picture you get when you really look at this is a gossiper, a person who gossips and causes, causes a cancer amongst a, a group of people. That's what he's talking about here. These are the kind of people that are described over here. Factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, listen to what he says. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But then he says, but the fruits of the Spirit is this. Those who live over here, the fruits of the Spirit is this. Does this define your life? The fruits of the Spirit are, are obvious, love. When people look at you, they say, man, that, that dude, that girl, she's loving Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Listen, against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sin nature with it, passion, with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. When you look at your life, what side are you on? What side are you on? See, the scripture's clear and it tells us and it explains. It says, listen, man, the people who live on this side, this is what their life looks like. And the people who live on this side, this is what their life looks like. And, and, and then you read James and James talks about, you know, faith without works is dead. Basically, he says, if you say you have faith in Jesus, but your life doesn't look like Jesus. If you say you have faith in Christ and you say you're a Christian, but your life looks like you're over here, then, then maybe you don't know him. And you say, Derek, how dare you question my salvation? Derek, how dare you question me for being a Christian? I've been going to church my entire life. My parents are Christian. I prayed a prayer when I was a kid. I was baptized. Derek, don't you dare question me. Maybe the problem is, is that we don't question enough. Nowhere in that Bible does it say if you pray some prayer that you're a Christian. Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible does it say that if you get baptized, you're a Christian. Nowhere. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you walk down some aisle. Nowhere in the Bible does it say if you really meant it because you cried. Nowhere. The Bible says that it is by grace through faith in Jesus that you are saved. It is by the grace of God pouring that out on you. His love and His grace offering us salvation so that we could be restored to Him because of our sin. We're separated. And this is what the Scripture teaches. The Scripture teaches us that we are all born on this side. 
The scripture teaches us that we were all born on this side. Romans 5 says that that sin entered through the one man, Adam, and death through sin. And because of that, all have sinned. Romans chapter 3, when you get to it, it says this. And this is talking about the condition of every man. And so the reality is, at some point in your life, you were on this side. Every single person is born into sin. Sin is not just something that you do. Sin is who you are. You're born into it. The scriptures tell us in Romans chapter 3 says this. It's one of my favorite passages of scripture because it shows us where every single one of us falls. It says this. In verse 11, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. No one. There is no one who understands. No one seeks God. All have turned away. They have altogether become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves. Their tongues practice deceit. The poisons of vipers is on their lips. Their, their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ru- blood. Ruin and misery mark their way in the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. He goes on to say in verse, in verse 23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, not even one. That is every single person in this room. That is every single person that has ever lived. Every single one of us at some point in our life finds ourselves on this side. Period. And the Bible tells us clearly that there's only one way to get to this side. Only one way. Jesus answered in John 14, 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The only way to God is through Jesus Christ. The only way to get from this side to this side is through Jesus Christ. He is the only way to God, period. He's the only way. You say, well, Terry, that's pretty harsh. I'm not that bad. Not that bad of a person. See, here's the problem. We try to compare ourselves to the other people around us and we say, I'm not that bad. And so someone who lies can say, well, you know what, man, I'm not as bad as that dude, he steals. Someone who steals can say, well, I'm not as, I'm not as bad as that, that, that couple over there and that lady, she committed adultery. And a person who committed adultery on her husband, she can look over and say, well, dude, I'm not as bad as like this guy over here who committed murder. The guy who committed murder can say, well, I'm not as bad as a serial killer. And a serial killer can say, well, I'm not as bad as Jeffrey Dahmer who ate his victims. And Jeffrey Dahmer could say, well, I'm not as bad as Hitler who tried to genocide a whole massive group of people. And Hitler can say, I'm not as bad as him (laughs) or Satan. I mean, and what happens is that we start comparing ourselves to each other. And you know what, man? All of us can look good if we compare ourselves to each other. Man, all of us can look good if we look at someone else who has something more intense in our life going on and say, hey, man, I'm not as bad as those guys. Like, I'm a pretty good guy. Like, Jesus is going to let me in. And the point is, what the Word of God tells us is, no, listen, you were born in sin because of the sin of Adam. You are, it is not something you just do. It's something that you are. You can't escape it. You can't get away from it. You're going to be selfish. You're going to want to do the things that the world has to offer because that is who you are 
And the only way to God is through Jesus Christ, what Jesus did for you on the cross. See, here's the beautiful picture about the Bible. Yeah, it's truth. And you know what the main, the main point of the Bible is? See, some of us think the Bible is just a, a picture of, of God giving us advice on how to live our life. Like it's another self-help book for us. See, what happens though when we look at it that way is, is that the Bible then becomes all about us. Like, like how can I be a better guy? How can I be a better boyfriend or girlfriend? The Bible isn't about us. The Bible is for us. It is about Jesus. The Bible is the story from the very first page to the very last page of God's pursuit of man who have completely rejected him, who have been all on this side, God's pursuit of man to bring him into relationship with him through Jesus Christ see here's the problem some of you are confused because you don't know what side you're on because you've been playing so close to this line for so long you don't even know where you stand anymore I know, man. I'm a youth pastor. I hear it all the time. I got students in the youth group that are, you know, man, strong Christians, so they say, and, and all this stuff, and they come up to me, and they're like, hey, Derek, man, how many drinks can I drink before I'm, I'm over here? Hey, I dare you don't expect when I go to college that, like, you know, I'm not going to get drunk and party, right? Like, I'm a Christian. I'm in, but, like, like I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hang out over here by the line. Hey, how far can I go with my girlfriend before it becomes sin? And what we're asking ourselves is this. Hey, how can I still like be in with Jesus and get my get in the heaven free card and, and, and all that kind of stuff and be cool, but then kind of do everything else I want to do? I'm like, bro. You say, do you expect me when I go to college not to get drunk and, and party because that's what everybody does? I say, number one, you don't have to answer to me anyway. You have to answer to God. But number two, if you need something to stimulate you so that you can have a good time, then you're pretty lame. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't have to be drunk to have a good time. I don't have to be drunk to be the life of the party. I don't have to be high so that people can think I'm cool. Because I don't freaking care what people think. And that makes me cool. And what happens is, is that we walk this line. And here's the proper response. Paul says, throw off everything that hinders and fix your eyes on Jesus. The picture is this, is that I'm chasing so hard after Jesus, my focus is so much on him that the line doesn't become an issue. That my life isn't measured by the line, but my life is measured by Christ and what he's done for me. And I'm chasing after him. And we take claim of the scripture that says, no man putting his hand to the plow, no man grabbing a hold of salvation and looking over his shoulder is fit for the kingdom of God. And we look at 
the scriptures that say in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. The whole picture of repentance when we say, you hear people say, repent, repent, give your life to Christ, repent. Repent means to turn from your sin. It means to go in a 180. It means to change directions. And it's literally someone who's walking down the broad road that leads to destruction that realizes that they are sinful man and that they need Jesus because of their sin and apart from that they are completely separated from God as Ephesians 2 tells us and because of that they get to a place in their life where they say God I know that you're pursuing me I know that you're chasing me I know that you're coming after me I know that your Holy Spirit's working in my heart and so they turn from their sin and they repent and they're no longer on the broad road anymore they're on the narrow road that leads to life listen do you have a relationship with Jesus do you know him I'm not talking about do you go to church do you come to the point I'm not talking about what your parents believe I'm talking about what do you believe do you have a relationship with him because listen Hear me now. The scariest verse of scripture in the entire Bible. In Matthew chapter 7, if you go back and read it tonight, go on down. It says this. And many on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord. And I will say, Jesus is talking, and I will say, depart from me. I never knew you. And then if you read it, look at their response. They say, but Jesus... But we prophesied in your name, and we cast out demons in your name, and we healed people in your name. Yes, you can do things in Jesus' name and not know him. And he will say, depart from me, I never knew you. Listen, many, not a few, not some, many on that day will say to me, Lord, Lord, and I will say to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Many who were walking down the broad road, who were hanging real close to the line, who thought that they were Christians, who thought that they were in, and they start bringing up their excuses. Yes, but Jesus, I prayed a prayer. Jesus, I walked down to the altar. I remember crying. And he's going to say, yeah, you cried because you were guilty for your sin, but you never repented and turned from your sin. Yeah, you were crying because you needed me, and my Holy Spirit was working on your heart, but you never surrendered to me and put your faith in me. Yeah, yeah, I get that, but you never knew me and I never knew you which side are you on because let me tell you something this ain't just a line this is a gulf this is a gulf this isn't something that you just tiptoe over and you may stumble across See, Ephesians 2 says you are separated, you are excluded, you are foreigners. Completely separated. This is a gulf. Let me show you. I want to show you guys a picture of this. And we're going to wrap up tonight through a video. For those of you that do know who Billy Graham is, Billy Graham has literally preached to over a million people at one time. 
I've been in the Billy Graham library and there were literally picture after picture after picture after picture of Billy Graham preaching to 500,000, 600,000, 1.3 million people at one time. No one knows how many people have come to Jesus because of the ministry of Billy Graham. And Billy Graham, you will hear his voice in the background. He's the older guy's voice in the background. He's an anointed man of God. But I want to show you guys a video that will help you understand the gap that is between us and God. Check this out. My life on this planet. Many go through life unfulfilled, unfocused, searching. A blank canvas waiting for a picture of purpose to be painted on us. What does it all mean? It was once said that there was a God-shaped blank in all of us. We look for many things to fill this. Friends, fashion, false faith, fornication, and the facade of drug-induced fantasies, but follow me. Follow me to the edge of an abyss where deep down inside we all know something's missing. See, from the moment God spoke time into existence and shaped us with his own hands in his own image, his plan was for man and him to be one. Creator and creation communing together in beautiful harmony. Sounds perfect, right? So what happened? Sin. We're sinners by nature. Sin opened this void. Sin drove us away from our friends. Sin separated us from him. And for many centuries since, we as human beings have attempted to bridge this ever-widening gap with philosophies and religion, wealth and so-called moral decisions, but the divisions became more instilled, that God-shaped hole in our hearts still unfilled, and mankind seemed doomed. Until, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Ye shall find the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Oh, but <laughs> this wasn't no ordinary baby. See, he grew into a boy, then a man, then a preacher, leading a multitude of people with radical and really off-the-wall teachings like, love your enemies, bless those that curse you, turn the other cheek. He's the greatest teacher that ever was. But this was no ordinary preacher. See, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. So for our sins, we had to pay the price. <laughs> they put nails in his hands. Betrayed and denied. They hung him high and stretched him wide on a cross for you and I. And over 2,000 years ago, spiked through his side, the Son of God, our lamb slain before the world began, died. One of the most agonizing physical deaths that a person can suffer. They buried him in the tomb of a friend, and for three days his mother cried. And for three days his disciples ran, but thanks be to the Most High, that's not how the story ends, because three glorious days later, Jesus rose from the dead again. Oh, but this just wasn't any ordinary sacrifice because he became the way, the truth, and the life. And we now have a way through the Father, through him. Through the cross, we're now able to get across that great divide caused by sin, separating us from him. And he's calling us, but we've got to come. See, the choice is still ours, but he has provided all the love. God so loved the world that he gave his only son. And if we only believe that Jesus Christ paid this price, Jesus said, ye shall know the truth. No more separation. 
No more fear of death. No more holes in our heart. But we can now have eternal life. You see, God gave man a choice. You either accept it or reject it. Pray this prayer out loud after me. Oh God, I am a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I'm willing to turn from my sin. I receive Christ as Savior. I confess him as Lord. From this moment on, I want to follow him and serve him. In Christ's name, amen. say, Derek, man, like you've been up in our grill tonight, man, you usually ain't like this. Let me tell you something. It's because I believe this. And I believe what this says. And I love you too much to let you walk out of here and not tell you the truth of what this says. And I'm here to tell you, man, when I was 17 years old, right before my senior year of high school, wrapped up in drinking and drugs and a bunch of stupid crap that Jesus saved me and he changed my life. I didn't grow up in a church. I didn't have great Christian parents who brainwashed me into thinking this or thinking that. I was a skeptic. I didn't believe. I'm telling you now, Jesus saved my life. He changed my life. He took those desires away because some of you guys are struggling down this road so much. And you're like, man, I just wish someone would take this from me. And Jesus is going, all you got to do is turn, man. I'm standing here with my arms wide open. I've been chasing you down. And all you have to do is come and fall at my feet. And dude, I'm here for you, bro. I'm going to help you get through it. You don't have the strength to break free from your sin. But what Jesus did on the cross was he defeated sin and death. And when he rose from the grave, it was done. So that you can now have victory through Jesus. That gap was filled with the cross. And he's the only way. So here's the deal. I want to share something with you for like 30 seconds, 45 seconds. And I'm going to ask you to respond. No crazy emotional stories, no anything like that. Just you feel that nudge in your heart, you feel that check. That's God. I felt it when I was 17. That's the Holy Spirit saying, come home. Come home. In Genesis Chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, the Bible says that God created man in his image. God created us to be perfect. God created us not uh, to sin. God created us to be in, a, in an environment where, where we would never die, where no one would ever die, and that everything would be great, and there would be no suffering and pain. There would be no divorce and destruction. There would be no disease. There would be none of that. And God put in the garden a tree he says, hey, man, I'm not going to force you to love me. I'm not going to force you to follow me. Um, but you can eat from every tree in this garden, but this one tree don't eat from. God didn't make it difficult for us, and he doesn't even now. He says, all you got to do is turn to me. You don't have to do all this stuff. All you have to do is put your faith in me. It's pretty cool how God does that. He makes it simple. 
The Bible tells us in John 10, 10 that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Satan came into the picture, and he wanted to kill us and destroy us and destroy God's plan. And that's, that's what he did. He tempted Adam and Eve. And because Adam and Eve have a choice to make, the same choice that you have to make, the same choice that every man and every woman has to make. And he gave them a choice, and they chose to sin. And as a result of that, the Bible tells us that sin entered the world, that death entered the world, that disease entered the world, that pain entered the world for the first time because of Adam and Eve's sin, because man chose it. And the Bible tells us, as I read earlier, that because of that, all of us have sinned. And for all of history, the Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. In Romans 6.23, it says, and the wages of sin or the penalty of sin is death. Not just physical death that we have to die, but literally spiritual death where we're eternally separated from God. And that is the condition that every man finds himself in. But listen, this is God. This is how amazing he is. This is what the Bible brings us to. The Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world. I like to just scratch out world there and put my name in there. For God so loved Derek that he gave his only son, Jesus that whosoever would believe in him, put their trust and faith in him, shall not perish but have everlasting life. And this is the amazing thing. That Jesus didn't die for us when we were like loving him and praising him and like, yeah, I got all my life together. The Bible tells us in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrated his love in this way. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for us when we were over there. He saw our helplessness. He saw our hopelessness. He knew there was nothing that we could do to make our relationship right with God. He had to do it. And yeah, the first part of that verse is the ways of sin is death. But listen, I love the second part of Romans 6.23. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And he offers it as a free gift. And listen to this. Romans 10 tells us that all you have to do is call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. Believe in him and repent of your sin and he will take it away. Some of you guys, you've been hanging on over here for so long and you're hanging on to so much junk in your life and so much trash in your life and so much filth in your life and Jesus is over here with his arms wide open chasing you down saying, come on, bro. I love you. I died for you. I can give you victory. So the band's gonna come up and they're gonna lead us in a song. And as they lead us in a song, I'm going to uh, go out the back doors here in a second. And we've got some people that will direct you if you so choose to. But this is, this is what I want you to do. If you're here tonight and you say, man, you know what? I don't know what side I'm on. But tonight, I want to make that right. Or I know that I'm on this side and I need to make it right. I've never put my trust and faith in Jesus Christ, and I can feel it. I know it. Everybody bow your heads and close your eyes. If that's you and you're in here tonight, and you say, man, I don't, I don't know if I know that that relationship is right, but tonight I want to know what side I'm on. I want to know what road I'm on. I want to know that I'm on the narrow road that leads to life. 
I've been hanging on for so long with so many things. I don't care who's around you. I don't care who's sitting beside you. This is between you and God. If that's you right now, I just want you to pray this to God. Just talk to God. There's no like special manufactured prayer that you can pray that is any better than any others. But just tell God something like, God, I know that I got some stuff in my life. God, I know I got some sin in my life. I know I got some trash in my life. And I know that that hurts you. And I know that that sent you to the cross, that you died for my sin, that you were buried and you rose again on the third day, defeating that sin so that I could be restored to relationship with you. God, tonight, I want to make it right. Jesus, come into my heart, come into my life, save me, change me. Transform me from the inside out. Lord, I know it's what I'm praying right now is risky because I, I know that I have friends that are going to be, be right on my back. I have people that I care about that may, that may abandon me or make fun of me. God, I, I realize that, but you know what? It's more important for me to know you than anything else. It's the most important decision of my life. <clears throat> and I want to know that I'm on that narrow road that leads to life. Just talk to him. Tell him.